Man, how good is that? Isn't it nice to know that the creator of the universe desires to encounter you? And as Ben shared in his story, sometimes that takes on a variety of forms. Uh, it's not necessarily the way you encounter God may not be the way the person next to you encounter God. Uh, but, but I love what Ben's statement. He's like, man, I just made a conscious decision in the midst of the mess, in the midst of the challenge, that I'm going to raise a hallelujah, which simply means God be praised. He said, man, you know what? I'm just going to worship God in the midst of the mystery uh, because he's, he's worthy. And uh, here's what Numbers, Numbers 6, 24 through, through 26, uh, this is not going to be on the screen, but this is actually a, a blessing that, uh, uh, this, that God told Moses to tell his brother to pronounce over, over the people. And here it is. It says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face to you and give you his peace. I don't know about you, but I want that. I want him to turn his face to me. I want him to be gracious to me. I want, I want to encounter his peace. Uh, back in January, my family and I, we moved uh, to San Jose to join you, uh, the Central family. And it's, uh, it's been an awesome journey so far. And uh, my, my daughter, uh, you know, it was a big change for her. Uh, she had her friends. She had grandma and grandpa close by. She had what was familiar, right? And she moves into this new place, new, new circumstance. And uh, she had a hard time going to sleep. So at night, I, I would read to her. I would sing songs. We would pray. And I'd say, all right, daddy's, daddy's going to bed. And she said, no, daddy, no, daddy. You just stay with me. You stay with me. And, uh, and I say, okay, I'll lay here for a little bit. And she say, no, no, turn your face to me. Turn your face. And I would start to fall asleep. My face, no, no, daddy, this way. I need, I need to see your face. And something about that, looking into my face, brought her comfort, brought her peace. And here's the good news, that the creator of the universe desires to turn his face towards you, desires for you to encounter him in such a way. And in that moment, man, we're able to experience his peace. We're able to experience him and encounter him in such a unique way. And that's actually our, our theme verse for out the, throughout this series is uh, found in Exodus. And, uh, and that's actually what in Exodus 33, 11, we read about this guy named Moses, and he has this kind of face-to-face encounter. He says, he says the, uh, the Lord would speak to Moses face-to-face, like a man speaks to his friend. And you know what? I, I just believe, I just have this conviction that that's God's desire for you, that God desires to talk to John like that, that God desires to talk to Jenny like that, to Dan like that, to Chris like that. He desires to talk to, to, to Lori like that. He desires to talk to you in such a way that it could be said of you it wasn't just a, a, a ritual. It wasn't even a spiritual discipline. It wasn't, it wasn't even like this, this thing I had to do. It was like, I just want to talk to God face to face because he's like my best, he's just like my best friend. He desires that kind of intimacy with you, that kind of relationship with you. And, and throughout this series, more than anything else, it's my hope for you. It's my hope for me. It's my hope for all of us collectively that we would encounter him in a very fresh and very real Way. So it could be said that, man, we sense God turning his face towards us, and we're encountering him face to face. We're so serious about this, actually. Uh, I wouldn't invite you uh, with the elders, myself, the staff, the leadership of this church for a week of prayer and fasting. Uh, with everything going on in our world today, uh, how many of you realize, man, we need God, right? Like, we need some help. Uh, in Second Chronicles, uh, God told the nation of Israel, they said, if my people uh, who are called by my name... If they'll humble themselves, and there's really nothing I can think of more humbling than, than fasting, humble themselves and seek my face, I'll hear from heaven and I will heal their land. And so I, I want to invite you with us, the leadership of this church, to pray and fast. And so in your program is this, uh, this little card, it's, uh, it talks about prayer and fasting. Uh, for some of you, maybe this is new. 
Here's some keys uh, to prayer and fasting uh, this week that I want to invite you in. All of us can participate. Here, here's a prayer list. Uh, the first one is, man, we need, we need a spiritual awakening uh, in our city. I think in our church, I think in our country, I think around the globe, man, what if God were to move in such a way that that spiritual awakening took place across the land? And why not here? Why not let it begin with you? Why not let it begin with me? Why not us? Why not now? And man, I think as we lean in and seek God, I believe he's going to, he's going to do some things that are phenomenal. There's seven lists, uh, seven uh, prayer items. I want to invite you to pray with, with us about. Uh, on the back of that card, some ways to fast. Now, this is something I want to invite everyone to participate in. Uh, some of you, because of dietary restrictions, some, some challenges there, uh, it, you can't necessarily give up food, but, but here's what we can do. We can do something, right? Maybe that's social media. Maybe that's saying, hey, I'm not going to watch TV this week. And the time that I would be on social media, the time I would be watching the news, I would be doing that. I'm going to take that time to seek God. Uh, maybe for you, uh, it would be uh, giving up shopping or spending this week, right? And saying, man, God, more than those items that I need, I just need your presence in my life, and I'm going to go after you in that way. All of us can participate. There's some creative ways there. And then here's some additional resources on prayer and fasting. Uh, but man, as, as we reflect and uh, as we see what's happening around us, not only in the church, but, but outside the church. We, we hear about what took place at Gilroy. We hear about what took place in Texas. We hear about what took place in Ohio. I just, I don't know about you, but I'm just like, oh God, we just need you. We just need you. And here's what I believe. I believe as we fast and we pray, we're going to discover vertical solutions for horizontal issues. Only God can do that. And the only way that we're going to experience that is if we lock arms together and say, God, we just need you. And so on that note, I want to invite you. I want to invite you with myself, the elders, the leadership of the church. Let's pray. Let's fast. Let's lean in and seek God like never before. Not only for for issues that that we have inside the church, but certainly for issues outside the church as well. On that note, let's just take a pause in this service right now. Let's pray. Let's pray for for God to do a work uh, in our midst. Well, Father, we just uh, pause now to recognize that we need you. We're in this series encounter, and God, more than anything that we need today is a fresh encounter with you. So, Father, we pray that you would show up in a powerful way, that, God, would you, you would do what only you can do, not only here in the walls of this church, but, God, in our country. God, may you, you drive out darkness. God, may you, you raise up a standard. God, may you be our anchor of hope. God, may we realign our lives back to you, God, so that, so that we can find favor uh, with you, God. We, we, we just acknowledge we got things backwards God, we're out of order in a lot of ways, and we don't want to be that way anymore. So, God, we're, we're coming under your authority once again and saying, God, we're going to align our lives with you. And, God, we just, we just recognize we need your help in that. God, may, may spiritual awakening take place in our country, in our city, in our nation, and may it begin with us. And, God, that's not just a, a church thing. It's got to begin in my heart. It's got to begin in our hearts individually so we can experience it collectively. So, God, may you give us courageous faith to move into the future that you've called us to in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm excited for that. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. God's got big things in store. And uh, so on that note, welcome. Welcome to Central. Uh, we're glad that you're here. I also want to welcome not only those of you here in the room, but also want to give a quick shout out to those of you joining us online. Thanks for being with us today. We're excited you're here, here with us. That's good. Uh, well, today we're going to be looking at uh, the story of a guy by the name of Moses. Moses. And uh, the, the, the theme verse for our series actually refers to Moses as well. And so we're going to look at his encounter story. How many of you have ever seen the movie Prince of Egypt? 
It's a great movie, by the way. It's an animation, uh, but don't judge animations. Um, Danny Glover, Sandra Bullock, Steve Martin. It's a DreamWorks movie. Uh, it's kind of funny. If you've never watched it, maybe some afternoon homework. Unless you're fasting media, then don't do that. But, um, or maybe you've seen Ten Commandments, right? Cecil B. DeMille, uh, his, his, his movie. Usually every Easter it's on, right? Uh, but that, that kind of paints a backdrop of this guy named Moses. But if you haven't seen those movies, you haven't read the book of Exodus, here's, here's a snapshot that brings us up to speed uh, in our encounter story today. Uh, so Moses was born in uh, this land of Egypt. He was born in slavery. And uh, the, the Hebrew people were really the labor force for this Egyptian king. And uh, they, were, they were building big buildings. They were doing big stuff. But, but the nation of Israel, the, these Hebrew people, began to get too numerous. And so Pharaoh's like, hey, you know what? Every boy that's born, we got to kill him. Uh, every female that's born, we'll, we'll let him live. And so Moses is born at that time. And his mom is like, I, I just got to do something about this. I, we, we, I just can't give up my boy to be slaughtered. And so, and so he, she nurses Moses for three months, and then she, she puts him in a basket and sends him down the Nile River. And lo and behold, the princess, Pharaoh's daughter, discovers Moses. She takes him in. She raises him as his own, her own. And, uh, and so he, he, she's, he's raised as royalty, gets this uh, impeccable education, like, like is trained in leadership and literature and, and just a great, great Great man. And so he grows up, but he also realizes, man, those are my people. They're the labor force of my country. There's something wrong about that. And so he goes out and he tries to defend uh, this Hebrew who's being beaten as a slave and, uh, and, and defends him and actually kills the Egyptian that's doing it, thinking that his people would rally to him. He goes out the next day, sees a couple people fighting. He's like, hey, your brother's like, stop fighting, right? And, uh, and, and they're like, are oh, you going to kill us too? Well, Pharaoh finds out. Pharaoh's trying to hunt Moses down. And his own people have rejected him. So Moses runs, flees. He goes to this foreign land. And he meets this shepherdess, this chick that watches sheep and, uh, and marries her. And, uh, and becomes a shepherd himself. And uh, 40 years goes by. Moses adjusts from living in a palace to being living in obscurity, in a desert, watching stinking sheep. And that's where we pick up our story in Exodus 3, beginning in verse 1. It says this, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jephro, his follower, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Let's just pause there for a moment. I would just say this. God is willing to do some strange things to draw you to himself. Like he's really willing to set up some things in your life that may appear very strange in effort to draw you to him so that you can have this encounter with him. Uh, for some of you, maybe this is the strange thing. Like you show up at church, you're like, this place is weird, man. I don't know. I, don't, I get it. I get it. Uh, lean in. Here's what Moses did. Uh, he's like, uh, so uh, he says, uh, so Moses thought, I'm going to go over and check this strange thing out. I'm going to go over and see what's, what's going on. Here's a bush that's not burning up. Now that's your decision. If you show up here and this is a strange thing, maybe you, God's trying to draw you and he does it in a way that maybe you didn't anticipate. That's your opportunity to say, I, I'm going to lean in. Or you could be like, Moses could have had, had the opportunity to say, I'm going to run away. But no, Moses says, I got to check this out. 
Moses said, I'm going to go check out this bush that doesn't burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over and looked, God called to him from within that bush. That's my hope for us. As we lean in, I think God's watching. I think God sees you right here, right now. And as you lean into him, it's my hope that he would speak, that you would hear from heaven. And here's what what God said to Moses. Moses, Moses, or in the movies, it's Moses, Moses. You remember? Yeah. I don't know why. Something about God that's low. Um, Moses said, here I am. Uh, Don't come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is, is holy ground. And so in the middle of life, middle of mundane, middle of just obscurity, middle of routine, God shows up. And this place that was very ordinary, God shows up. And all of a sudden, that place becomes extraordinary. All of a sudden, that that place becomes separate. All of a sudden, that place becomes holy. And God recognizes that. And he says, you know, wait, 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 wait. This is a different different kind of encounter. And then he, he spoke to him. He said, I'm the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now notice here in chapter 3, Moses hides his face. But as we saw earlier in chapter 33, Moses would speak to God face to face, like a man speaks to a friend. And I would just say that to say this. Sometimes in life, especially in in Christianity, sometimes we, we compare somebody else's middle to our beginning. And we think, you know what, I just can't do that. Or you you compare where you are right now to somebody else's like spiritual maturity, and you're like, I can never do that, right? No, 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 no. Take a note from Moses and say, you know what? I'm one step at a time. God, if you speak, I'm going to listen. I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow. And so Moses goes from hiding his face from God to to this relationship where he encounters him, talks talks face to face like a man speaks to a friend. Now, we're going to read this conversation that Moses has with God, and we're going to continue reading that in chapters 3 and 4 of Exodus. Uh, But here's what we're going to discover. We're going to discover four obstacles, four obstacles for you to encounter God, four obstacles uh, for me to overcome to encounter God. And and here, I just believe this. Uh, Some of you have already encountered these. Uh, All of us will probably re-encounter these on on a daily basis, maybe a weekly basis. At some point in our life, we're going to face all four of these. And so if you're taking notes uh, in your program, there's some fill in the blanks. Uh, and uh, here, here's the first one. Here's the first one. Uh, four obstacles to encountering God. The first one is uh, the question, who am I? Who am I? Moses' first reason of why he can't get close to God, he's like, God, I don't know if you know me, uh, but, but like I'm, I watch sheep, right? Like I'm a shepherd. I don't really do big things. Uh, matter of fact, God, my, my, my people have rejected me. Uh, my mama didn't raise me. I was raised by foreigners. As a matter of fact, they've rejected me. God, I don't know if you know this or not, but like I'm a murderer. I'm living my life on a run. And, and like, God, I don't, I don't know if you know who I am. And so, so Moses asked him this question in Exodus 3, 11 through 12. Moses said to God, who am I? There it is. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Moses' first question, who am I? And the logical response would be, well, Moses, let me tell you who you are. You're this, you're this, you're this, you're this. But he doesn't. He says, he redirects Moses' attention off of his character and onto God's character. Here's what he says. And God said, I will be with you. I will be with you. It's not about, about you, Moses. It's actually all, all about me. And, and so Moses is saying, you know what? I'm, I'm not worthy of this. Who, who am I? 
And I think for many of us, the major reason that we feel like we can't get close to God is because of this sense of unworthiness, that we feel like somehow, some way, like we can only get close to God to the level that we are worthy to get close to God. But here's the, here's the deal. Like, like none of us are worthy to get close to God. And so for us, it would be doing the same thing that God does for Moses and redirecting our attention. Uh, it's not about how worthy you are. It's about how worthy he is. It's not about, about, about your worth. It's actually about God's worth. It's not about your righteousness. It's about, it's about his righteousness. It's not about what you've done. It's about what, what he did. I don't know about you, but I, I feel like I need that reminder. I need that reminder from time to time because it's not, it's not about who I am. It's all about who he is. And so God calls to Moses, not based on Moses' character, but based on God's character. And at the root of that question, who am I, here's, here's the hurdle we've got to overcome. We've got to overcome condemnation. That's the next fill in the blank, condemnation. At the root of who am I is the sense of condemnation. If we're not careful, we'll allow condemnation to like derail us from God's presence. Actually, it's like God, uh, the devil's favorite tool. Uh, in Revelation 12, 10, it actually says like that's kind of his job description, right? Like his job is to accuse you day after day after day after day. But here's the deal. God doesn't condemn you. John three seventeen says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He, he didn't come to tell you how bad you are. He came to point to a way out because how good he is. He doesn't bring condemnation into our lives, but he does give us this gift of, of conviction. And here's the difference. Let, let me say it this way. Condemnation says, look how bad you are. You're never going to make it out. Matter of fact, there's no hope for you. That's condemnation. Conviction says this. Here's what you did wrong. Let me point to a better way. Let me help you up. And we're not going to do that. We're going to go this direction, right? God's always pointing to a better way so that you can thrive, so you can experience the abundant life that he has for you. Uh, Titus 3, 4, and 5 says this, uh, but when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us because of how awesome you are. No, not because of the righteous things you've done, but simply because of his mercy. I mean, he's good. He's good. Because of his goodness, he invites us in. And so we're saved by his grace. We're saved through the cross of Christ. It's not, we're invited in on mission with God, not because of who we are, but all because of, of who he is. Second question Moses asks is this, who are you? Who are you? And now here's a, my hunch, and this is maybe a stretch, but my belief is that, that Moses didn't have a real elevated view of God at this point. Like generation after generation was born in slavery and died in slavery in Egypt. I believe Moses' perspective was like, yeah, we've heard about you. We've heard how you encountered Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We've heard, we've heard about you. But I think you've been MIA. Like Moses and the nation of Israel were in slavery for 400 years. 400 years of crying out to God. 400 years of, of seeing their kids actually being killed at the hand of this unjust ruler. And Moses is in this desert fleeing for his life. Now, now God talks to him through this bush and he's like, who am I? And matter of fact, who are you? Who are you? And here's what he says. Here, here's, the, here's the dialogue, Exodus 3, 13 through 14. Moses said, suppose I do it. Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me. And they ask me, well, what's his name? Well, what should I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. Now that's not a non-answer. That's not God saying, 
I'm not going to tell you that. that. That's God saying, you know what, you just, there's not a list long enough that can really define me. There's not really a name adequate to describe me. So Moses, you just ask the question, and I am. And maybe you come into this room today, and you're asking the same question. God, are you able to restore that relationship? I am. God, are you able to help me in the midst of my mess? I am. God, are you able to come through for me in a way that I don't even see? Po- I am. God, are you able to help me in the midst of this health ch- I am. God, are you able to help? I am. I am. I am. You just ask the question, I am. So he says, says, hey, you know what? You go. You go to that nation of Israel and you tell them the God who is everything they'll ever need has sent you. This is what you say to the Israelites. I am has sent me. The second obstacle we have to overcome is doubting God's ability. Doubting God's ability. I'm not saying we get to a place where we have no more questions about life, faith, or the world we live in. I mean, I have questions. I have some doubts. But I am saying that that we have to grow to a place of maturity where we see God as he is. To have an accurate, not even elevated perspective of God, but an accurate perspective of God where we view him as this divine majesty, the God who created the universe, the all-powerful, all-awesome God that he is. And we filter our circumstances through the realities of that. Too often, if you're like me, I go to God and I say, God, I'm facing this big challenge and I don't know a way out and here's what I'm dealing with and here's what is happening. I I feel overwhelmed. Instead of going to my problem and saying, I serve the God who created the universe. He made a way when there seemed to be no way. He's delivered me back here. He's helped the nation of Israel. I've seen him help Joel Lee. I've seen him help Nathan. I've seen him help John. I've seen him come through a time and time again. And this situation that I'm facing is going to be the same result. Too often we tell God how big our problems are rather than approaching our problems with how big God is. And as we tell and focus on the majesty, yeah, that's good. That's good. Right? Challenges we face in our culture today, not new, right? And not too big for God. Overwhelming for us, not overwhelming for him. Whenever we focus on all that he is, we begin to view circumstances in light of who he is. Doubt fades faith rises. Here's a a passage I would encourage you to memorize or or, or jot down. And as you're praying this week, I I would encourage you to start by praying this. This is Jeremiah praying in Jeremiah 32, 17. And he starts his prayer like this. Jeremiah 32, 17. You might want to write it down if you're taking notes. If you're not taking notes, go ahead and write it down. Here it is. Um, (laughs) He says, Ah, Lord, behold, you made the heavens and the earth. Like, let's just pause there. Like, he does big stuff, right? Like, like you guys, you've seen the discovery. Oh, my gosh. Billions of galaxies. Big, big stars. Dwarfs the earth. It's kind of, it's kind of very shrinking feeling comes over us whenever we look at all that he's already done, right? God, oh, God, you've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Now, let's read this last sentence together. You ready? Here it is. Nothing is too difficult for you. What if we were a people that live from that posture? What if you approached life this week and said, God, hey, I'm, here's the deal. Here's what I'm up against. But God, I believe nothing's too difficult for you. I believe you're a big God. You do big things. You created the heavens and the earth. And this relational challenge, this financial challenge, this job challenge, God, this situation, it's not too big for you. Nothing's too difficult for you. Let's be people who view God as he is and let all that he is overshadow everything you combat in life. Third observation, third question we see Moses ask is what if they? What if they? 
And this is, this is a big question for a lot of us. Moses said this in Exodus 4.1. He said, what if they don't believe me? He's like, okay, God, let's just assume I'm going. Uh, here's the deal, God. Like, so I'm going to go to this nation of Israel that's been in slavery 400 years. I'm going to show up and say, hey, guys, boys, guess what? God appeared to me in a burning bush. Good news, you're free. Tell me about that. <laughs> and he's like, what if they don't believe me? And let's be honest, that's a fair question. And let's be honest, that's a hurdle for us. And it's hard for us to overcome some hurdles if they're not, not all on the table. But I also think it highlights a reality that, that if we're not careful, we'll allow what others say to overshadow what God's asked us to do. And one of the saddest verses of the New Testament is John 12, 42 through 43. And here's what it says. It says, yet at that time, even among the leaders, the leaders believed in him, believed in Jesus. That's who he's talking about. Even among the leaders, some of them believed in Jesus. But because they were afraid of they, but because of they, because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear. There it is, that they would be put out of the synagogue. And synagogue was like more, not just church, but like their social network. They wouldn't be invited over for dinner anymore. If I told them I believe in Jesus, they're not going to they're have me over to watch the game. I'm not going to be able to go golfing with my partners anymore. I'm not, if I tell them, like, ah, it's going to get real awkward. For they feared human praise. They, they loved human praise more than the praise of God. Um, let's just acknowledge it's a hurdle, right? Uh, Proverbs 29, 25 says this, for... Uh, Fear of man will prove to be a snare. Whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. And I think for some of us, we're just at this intersection, right? Where we're about to go all in with God or about to dip out. And I believe one of the biggest challenges for you to encounter God in a fresh and powerful way is to set aside what everyone else thinks and say, God, I don't care about any of that. I'm just going to go after you. And until we get to that place, it's going to be really hard for us to live the abundant life that God has for us. It's going to be really hard for us to encounter him fully the way that he desires us to. And so here's what we've got to overcome. If you're taking notes, here's the sub-point. Here's, here's what's at the root of that question. What if they, at the root of that's fear? At the root of that is overcoming fear. And for some of us, like, you know, we go out to dinner, right? And, uh, and we're at this restaurant. We're like, I know we should pray, but like, God, thanks for this food. Amen, right? Unless we're like at Chick-fil-A, and then it's like church with fried chicken, and then like you just go all in because like, it's a Christian environment, right? Uh, but it's a huge hurdle. And, uh, and I, think, I think it's just something for us to acknowledge. And, and so Paul had a lot of hurdles to overcome. Moses had a lot of hurdles to overcome. And, and here's where Paul landed on this deal. Here's what he said in Romans 1.16. He says, you know what? I've just come to the place where I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation. You know what? I'm just not ashamed to call out on God. I'm not ashamed to do what he's asked me to do because I just believe that he's the creator of the earth. I just believe that the gospel is the good news that rescues people, saves them from eternal damnation. Like you got the antidote. That's good news. And Paul's like, I realize what I have, and I'm coming to this place where I'm just not ashamed anymore because it's the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. Listen, a, a scared world needs a fearless church, and God's chosen you to be that church. Yeah. 
A frightened friend needs a fearless follower of Christ, and God's chosen you to be that friend. A worried coworker needs men and women of God to speak with divine wisdom and point to a known God in the midst of unknown circumstances. He's chosen you to be that coworker. But we must get to this place where we agree with Paul and we come to this posture of life where we say, you know what, I'm just not ashamed anymore. I, what if they, I don't even care because I'm just going to go after God. God's asked me to do this and I'm not ashamed of the gospel because I just believe it's the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. The antidote to fear is an accurate view of God. Yeah. The antidote to fear is an accurate view of God. Uh, in this book called Habits, he talks about keystone habits and how some habits impact all these other habits, right? I believe this reality, having an accurate view of God, impacts so many other realities. When I have an accurate view of God, prayer is no longer a discipline, but it's holy cow, I get to go into his presence. I get to come boldly before the throne of grace to receive, receive mercy and grace in my time of need. I get to live this kind of life. I get to tell people about the good news. I get to do this because I'm just going to, God, you're so big. I can't believe you. I get to be called a child of God. What? Are you kidding me? Like, whenever I have an accurate view of who he is, fear dissipates, right? Uncertainty and doubt dissipates. Everything fades. It's a keystone habit. Lift, elevate your view of God. Look at him. View him as he is. I'm just saying, it'll, it'll change everything. It'll change everything. Listen, Moses was told the great I am is going with you. Better than that, because of the cross, because of his grace, the great I am not only goes with you, but the great I am is in you. The antidote to fear is an accurate view of God. The fourth and final observation is this. I have never, I've never. Here's what Moses says. He's like, man, I've just never done that before, God. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I, I've never done that. Exodus 4, 10 through 12, Moses said to the Lord, Oh Lord, I have never been eloquent in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. And God chose the stutterer to stand on stage. Moses is like, I can't do that. I've never done that before. I've never. And here's what I would say to you individually and to us collectively. Every new season of growth will require new steps of faith. Every new season of growth is going to require new steps of faith. And so God's going to bring you to this place where you're encountered and you're going to be tempted to say, well, I've never, I've never done that. And Martin Luther King Jr. said this. He, he, said, he said, faith is taking the first step without seeing the staircase. Like, I just don't even know, God, if you're going to catch me, but I know, I know you've called me. I know you've asked me to do this, so I'm just going to, okay. And you get to that step, right? And it takes a lot to get there. And it is going to be a new season. If you're going to encounter new growth, he's going to ask you to take new step. I don't, okay, God. And you keep stepping. You keep marching. You keep walking. Because every new season of growth is going to require new steps of faith. And he's going to bring you to this place where you say, I don't know. Because I've never done that. And here's what that might look like for you this week. Maybe you say, I've never been baptized. Take a step. Maybe you say, I've never trusted God with my finances. Take a step. Maybe you say, I've never, I've never served. Take a step. Maybe you say, well, I've never told my story. Well, at lunch, you got an opportunity. Take a step. 
Maybe you say, well, I've never, I've never shared my faith with my coworkers. I've never invited them to church. Here's the deal. Take a step. August 18th, Pat Gelsinger, number one CEO in America is coming. Like we put the cookies on the bottom shelf, people. Like, like you don't have to invite them to church. Invite them to come see the number one CEO in America. Take a step. Take a step. We set aside this week to fast and pray. And you might be saying, well, I've never done that. Well, take a step. Take a step. If you desire to enter a new season of growth, it will acquire new steps of faith. Uh, before you take those steps of faith, you're going to think, well, I've, I've never. And here's what you're going to have to overcome. Fourth observation, final fill in the blank. Have to overcome reluctance. We have to overcome reluctance if we're going to encounter God in a fresh way. Overcoming our own reluctance is a huge hurdle, right? It's saying, uh, some of you are saying, well, I'm too young to do that. When I'm older, I will. Some of you have been saying that for a lot of years. Now you've landed in this place where you say, oh, I'm too old to do that. If I was younger, I would. And like the reality is sometimes we live from this framework like we got this 48-hour window when it's like the perfect timing. And if you miss it, you miss it. But here's the deal. Paul said, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. But set an example in faith and love and life and purity. Moses was 80 years old in this story. God called him to go set people free. Listen, I just think it highlights if you're not dead yet, you're not done yet. God has new ground for you to take, new obstacles for you to overcome, new steps of faith in your journey, and he's inviting you in. Here's what Hebrews eleven six 6 says. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Like, it's going to take a step. You're not going to see the full staircase. He's going to invite you in. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Reluctance can keep us paralyzed when God is inviting us to take steps. We're about to land the plane on this service, but uh, I want you to look in my eyes real quick. Here's what I believe. Here's, I believe this with all my heart. It's a conviction of mine. If you draw near to God, he's going to draw near to you. And here's what I know to be true. You've heard a lot of messages like this. You've you filled out a few of these in your time. And, and taking notes, it's not going to change things. Hearing a message like this might not change things. Hearing some scriptures read that we shared today, that I gave you, it might not change things. But here's what I know will change everything. If you have a fresh encounter with him, you'll never be the same. You'll say, I remember the moment. I remember the time. I remember that mark. I was uncertain. Man, I had some stuff I had to overcome, but man, I took a step. God will meet you. Some of you, you, we wrestle with that, right? What if they, that's our hang up. Who am I? That's our hang up. Who are you? That might be your hang up. We've got some obstacles to overcome. And as you do, as we do, we're going to encounter him in a fresh, new, profound powerful way so we've structured this service with that in mind for you to have an opportunity to encounter him uh, but before the band comes out and continues to lead us uh, I want to pray for us okay let's pray together well father we just thank you for the opportunity to encounter you we thank you God that, that nothing's too difficult for you God you made the heavens and the earth you do good things you do big things and God you're for us so God, we just say thanks for that. Thanks for Moses' encounter and the obstacles he had to overcome. And, and God, your invitation to us is to be overcomers as well. 
So God, help us to press in. Help us to lean in today and encounter you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, um, maybe you're here and, and you'd say, you know what? Um, I, I don't know God. I'm out of right relationship with God. Matter of fact, I don't think I've ever been a Christian, but maybe you're at the point today where you say, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to go all in. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins, for my mistakes, so I can experience his freedom. Maybe you're here today, you're another group of people. You say, man, I used to be close, but I've drifted. I've got caught in the riptide of life, and I've just, he's so far from me right now, and I just want to come back, come close. I'm going to pray for you as well. Or maybe you're here, and the third group would be, maybe you've just been religious, going through the motions, and your relationship with God has become dry. It's become a list of do's and don'ts. It's not a relationship. It's certainly not face-to-face. And if any of those three are true of you, the best next step for all three is surrender. To say, God, here's my life. I'm giving it to you anew. Here I am, God. I I want you, I'm going all in. I'm not holding anything back. God, my whole life is yours. And I'm drawing a line in the sand today to say, this day forward, I'm following after God. That's you. I want to pray for you. You can just whisper a simple prayer like this. God, today I give you my life. I recognize I've made some mistakes. I've fallen short more times than I'd like to admit. But God, I believe you died on the cross to pay the penalty for every one of those mistakes. So I'm asking to come into my life, take up residency in me, and give me a fresh start and a new beginning today. Thank you for freedom. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for this new day as I journey with you in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if that was your prayer, just have the courage to slip up your hand, take movement, show God you're moving towards him. That's you. Thanks, 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 thanks. Hands up everywhere. Well, God, we just, as we're reaching out to you, I pray you'd reach out to us. And you saturate us with your presence, God, that uh, uh, we'd have a fresh encounter with you. Some people come to you for the first time. Some people coming back. Some people maybe have never left, but it's just come dry. So, God, I pray you come in like a flood. God, you'd help us to encounter you in a very real, very profound way, even now in this moment. In Jesus' name.